0: Welcome to MedTech Africa, the podcast where we showcase digital health and health tech innovations from across the African continent. My name is Sam Oti, and I'm your host, and I'm really delighted to be back on a brand new season of MedTech Africa. And you might be wondering, well, what took you so long? We're already in (laughs) mid-February. (laughs) where have all the episodes been for the new season well just hang in there it's been such a busy start to the year for me personally so uh, i'll be honest it's just been a struggle trying to put things together to relaunch the podcast for this year but i'm so glad to be back and so glad to have you as my audience tuning in and listening to the show now, on today's episode, I have three amazing guests, and they are representing the Digital Health Interoperability Network. I'll call it DHIN, because I think it's just so much easier to say. And I'll be speaking with the founding members of DHIN, Chuku, Julia Todogu, and Senior Bong Ekong, uh, they got together and decided that there was a need for a network like this that will focus on ensuring that digital health data is standardized and they have good reason for this because um, for for anyone who knows anything about digital health uh, and health data in in general, you know, achieving interoperability of data is you could think about it as entering into the promised land or <laughs> or finding nirvana or something like that. So it's sort of the goal that we all uh, aspire to, and the DHIN is really advocating for that move towards interoperability of health data. And uh, my three guests will be talking about that. So thank you for joining us and please enjoy the conversation. Hello, guys. Hello, people. Welcome to MedTech Africa. It's such a pleasure to have the founders of the Digital Health Interoperability Network right here on the, believe it or not, the very first episode of MedTech Africa in 2024. I'm so delighted to have three of you uh, as my guests. And uh, in a moment, I'll be calling on you to, to sort of introduce yourselves and then to tell us uh, about the network. So great to hear from you. And But let me just start by welcoming uh, Inyo uh, to the microphone to tell us about himself and how he got involved with the DHIN.
1: Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, it's nice to be on this uh, podcast. Yeah, um, I'm in Yobong Ekong. Um, I have a medical background and then also a public health uh, informatics practitioner for almost about uh, two decades now. I w- currently am the deputy director of um, digital health at FCT Health and Human Services Secretariat. Um, this position I've held in the past um, eight to 10 years. Um, We actually started with um, trying to integrate um, technology to solve uh, health system problems in the FCT Health and Human Services Secretariat. Way back in 2012, where we developed the first um, digital health policy in Nigeria and then went on to um, develop a policy implementation strategy. Um, during afterwards, also um, so worked with the federal Ministry of Health in uh, developing the national national health ICT framework in 2015. Uh, and then also had uh, a lot of uh, you know engagement, both in terms of uh, deploying electronic medical record systems in um uh, uh, about eight hospitals in the federal capital territory uh, and then also um was part of the team um that adopted the 32 health informatics standards uh in Nigeria in 2019 so um basically I've been in the digital health space for um the past 10 to 15 years uh and um I'm happy to you know to be part of DHIN, which we actually came up when I and Emeka were working uh, on the National Health ICT Framework in 2015. And then of course we had a lot of challenges in terms of deploying the EMR uh, in the hospitals in FCT. And those challenges led us into thinking of solving the, um, uh, the impending interoperability problem that we found because we saw a lot of digital health tools being deployed, you know, not just in the FCT, but nationwide. And we knew it was kind of a technical depth for the future. We thought it would be cost effective if we started, you know, adopting standards now and and thinking ahead towards interoperating all the systems. So that's how we came up with DHIN in 2018. And later on, um, Last year, Juliet also joined us. So that is all about myself for now. Thank you.
0: Over to you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you in your bong. So over to you, Juliet, tell us your story.
2: Sure, uh, great to be here, Sam. Um, so my name is Juliet Odogu. I am a public health and digital health professional. I've been working in the public and digital health spaces for over 10 years now. Um, and you know, primarily looking at designing, developing, and then implementing digital health solutions to address public health challenges. I actually started out in the private sector um, implementing uh, information systems and then healthcare technology as well, and then decided to really leverage those um, skill sets to drive impact in the public sector. And so over the you know the last couple of years, i have been working on developing from logistics management systems, so laboratory information management systems. And so, similar to any uh, really understanding that there's a plethora of information systems um, out there, and then really the challenge is, especially in Africa, really the challenge is not about the development of those solutions anymore, but how do those solutions interoperate? Um, I I think I I ran into a mecca at a conference, um, and we we shared the same pain points, and you know we shared the same passion for digital health and for interoperability and for for cohesion in the ecosystem, um, and you know in we started talking about the practical ways to do that, and um, then, you know, God introduced to Ini as well, and you know, I think we all shared the same vision, and so that was really the driving force for for DHIN. And you know, I'm happy that we have started this initiative, and we're really building on our shared passion, our shared vision, to to bring this initiative to light.
0: That's really good to know. Um, so let's let's move on to to Emeka very quickly. So Emeka, tell us your story. Thank you very much, Sam first for having
3: us uh, really a pleasure. And uh, just to say that uh, I am coming from uh, an engineering background in computer science. Um, I just uh, I started from IT support for development organization in the early years of uh, digital and uh, everybody was focused on mHealth at the time, using mobile to drive change. And at the time, uh, what happens is you collect data and then there are data from different sources of information. So that background gave me hands-on implementation, both in Nigeria, Kenya, and Sierra Leone. And over the last 20 years, while most of it has been at implementation level, I then had the good fortune of project managing the development of national strategy in Nigeria, where Ine and I also uh, uh, work actively on and as part of that work well, a component of most national strategy is the enterprise architecture which is like a high level diagram or chart that illustrates what an interoperable system is and that high level diagram for somebody like me who is hands on what is what I was looking forward to was like moving this from just diagram to uh, code and making sure it helps to drive the health outcome, that there is a consensus that this is uh, what will make health outcomes most uh, 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 useful or bring the highest level of health outcome. And this, the consensus is there. The evidence is there. So, but the problem that I see around is that we go to conferences and it's it's one of the highest topics everybody talk about, but in practical terms, we are not seeing it happen. So when I got the opportunity in 2017 to go do my, my PhD at the University of Malta, I decided that this is the topic I'm going to work on for the four years I'll be, in there, I'll be there in Malta. And then I worked on it. And then even before I left, Ine and I already had that problem of integrating the EMRs in FCT and also operationalizing the national uh, digital health uh, strategy here in Nigeria, especially that component that everybody talks about, which we are not seeing practical components. Uh, 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 we are not seeing come to life. So as a result, we said, okay, let's start. And we started to see that because there are plethora of tools, that it's going to be difficult for one vendor to build this system out and then have the others connect. Maybe it's going to be something of a consortium where multiple organizations come together to drive a network. They all have their different work areas, but also have a convergence point where they come together and do their thing. For instance, I'm a senior digital health advisor at Health Enabled. My work primarily is to facilitate national and subnational digital health strategy development while also supporting a learning lab. But also, DHIN is not taken away from my full-time work that I'm doing. This is a network that many organizations can come together without fear of where uh, whether they, they, are, uh, they are competing in different ways. So that was the overall reason why we thought this DHIN, and an organization like DHI and like what is obtainable both in the finance sector and in the health sector in the US, for instance, that this is the kind of organization that can help drive practical interoperability beyond uh, um, the talk
0: of interoperability. So thank you and over to you. Sounds like a match made in heaven. <laughs> you three have very complementary skills and expertise with Bonga background in medicine and, and digital health, uh, and then Juliet with your background in public health, uh, and Emeka with your background in engineering, and all working together towards this shared vision and shared goal of data interoperability in the health sector uh, across the, the African country. So uh, across the African continent, Africa is not a country, <laughs> I must add. <laughs> So let's get into the nuts and bolts of it, so to say. And let me circle back to you, Juliet. So tell us in very clear and concise detail what exactly is DHIN? Who are your members? How does one become a member? What is your mission, et cetera? Over to you, Juliet.
2: Yeah, thanks, Sam. And so I think you can even hear the mission of DHIN from our introductions, from the pain points that. Uh, We all experienced in our various uh, sectors and our various day-to-day jobs, um, specifically around the digital health ecosystem. How does that landscape um, look like? One of the things that we identified clearly was the plethora of digital health solutions um, that are sometimes in not in collaboration, but sometimes also now in competition or sharing or uh, collecting redundant information or duplicate information, Um, and. One of the other things that we realized is that decision making within the, within the health ecosystem at all levels from you know the patient level, the hospital level all the way up to national level, um, was not necessarily uh, data driven and evidence-based because there was limited capacity to share access to that information and to share information between systems. Um, and so you know that, that's really the driving force behind the digital health interoperability network. It really helps us to solve a, a number of problems, right? So the first is really governance. So what is what is data? What does the data uh, landscape need to look like, and who needs what? What are the governance structures that need to surround that? Um, so how does the government, how do regulatory agencies, um, how do standards organizations need to play in terms of digital health specifically? Um, I think Emeka was alluding to the fact that you know there's been some work that's happened in other sectors. So in in the fintech sector, in the finance sector, for example to really understand how different systems need to come together and and build interoperability mechanisms and governance mechanisms to allow that kind of data sharing. And this is a challenge that we saw in the health sector clearly, especially in Nigeria and in in Africa at large, um, that we needed to address. The other thing was really around the technical capacity to even develop interoperability solutions. A lot of times the the software vendors, the software developers are really focused, you know, have tunnel vision really around developing their own solutions, making it work within their own context. But there's really no capacity around creating standard standardizations, standard um, technology solutions that have the capacity to play in a larger ecosystem. And so um, that was another challenge that we identified. And then even from the policy and standards angle, um, there was no clear guidance around you know, dig- digital health standardization, um, you know, tools for ensuring that the data sets are, you know, standardized, ensuring that systems are able to collect the same kind of data and, you know, some, some of these other issues. Um, and then just a general lack of awareness on the need for interoperability and why we should even interoperate systems. What, what benefit does it have to the ecosystem? Um, and so these are really the, the pain points that drove the creation of what we now know as the digital health interoperability network. Um, which, are, you know, our specific mission is to create this enabling environment for interoperability conversations. Um, and one of the things we realized that, you know, we we wanted to do and, and have as our guiding principle was that um, we wanted to make sure that we're doing a couple of things. We are not just, you know, gathering a group of people together to just talk and talk about interoperability and, and, and just have it kind of go down the wayside as many other um, initiatives have but really be focused on evidence-based problem solving and hands-on practical approaches to interoperability. So how can we create te- te- practical technical solutions around interoperability that can then be used as shared resources for uh, you know, software vendors, for policy makers, for really all other stakeholders within the ecosystem. Um, and then the second principle that we wanted to ensure that we had was you know, making sure that it was peer driven. Um, you know, again, we all, each of us, even as um, founders and co-conveners, cool have our um, nine-to-fives, our day jobs, our, our primary roles, our responsibilities. But again, because we want to prioritize interoperability and we don't want it to be one driven by one, one person or one organization, we decided to create this as a network that um, can be peer-driven, where resources can be shared, learnings can be shared, um, and then we can really together create disruptive approaches to achieving health interoperability. So, really, um, we're focused on creating that enabling environment. We are focused on improving advocacy to government and other um, stakeholders on the need for interoperability. Um, And then, even as DHIN, we are focused on supporting, providing technical assistance to organizations, to stakeholders who want to build that capacity, um, and then just fostering collaborations um and then we 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 have the network itself which as i mentioned is a community of practice which has uh, members you know in fact and i think we we have over uh, 90 members as a, at our last count and we're a very young organization so i think that's a really good um metric for us um we have members that are from you know from implementing partners in public health to emr vendors and software vendors to students who are really interested in oper- interoperability to, you know, technical folks, um, to policymakers and governments and even academia that really come together. And again, like we said, develop these peer-driven solutions. Um, you know, anyone within these fields or who has this expertise and this passion in interoperability can become a member. Um, all you need to do is go to our uh, website to register to be a member. Um, we, we have routine uh, community of practice meetings where we not only build capacity through these meetings, but also share practical solutions that have been developed and really utilize those community of practice meetings to share learnings and then drive development of um, interoperability solutions. No, I think that is such an important mandate that you have there, right, that you've
0: stated right there, because I think the challenge with interoperability, data interoperability, is that everyone is working in silos, right? So creating this community of practice, I think, is a very important st- step towards getting people to, first of all, just talk to each other, share resources, and then hopefully further move us along uh, the, the, the track or the path of of getting towards um, uh, interoperability. So. Let me uh, turn to you, Emeka, Um, and perhaps not everyone uh, in our audience is very familiar with some of the terms that we're using, things like interoperability, uh, which I guess is a bit intuitive. Um, But I know that the DHIN has a focus on digital health standardization, and this podcast is really all about uh, digital health. So so what is, uh, to the initiated, what is digital health standardization? And why is it important?
3: Thanks, Sam. So I'm going to use an analogy. Um, The example I would use is in the electric socket system where you have uh, particular sockets that uh, computer providers or or electronic equipment providers would provide and say, okay, this uh, socket type is socket type uh, that you will have to use for your if you are building an equipment that will be used in a certain country, say in the US, and we know the US block type, we know the UK block type, we know the European block type. And the reason why they have that and the equipment manufacturers use that is because of standardization. The same thing in the health sector, uh for not even in the health sector, in 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 a uh, In technology sector, whether you're building software system, if you have to move information from one system to another, it needs to be in a certain format. And the way things are named needs to align, whether you are using, uh, for instance, if if there is no standardization, you probably uh, could use date of birth. In your application, while another person will use uh, age in the same, in their own application. And if these two uh, systems try to interconnect, age will be an integer and date of birth will be a long string. Of course, I I mean, a text. Uh, That's what we call it in in technology parlance. But then, what you get the drift that these two data types will be different when you want to analyze it for those of you who are in the Uh, who understand that in the data space. And in the the health sector, um, the public health practitioners want to be able to have a bird's eye view of what is happening to drive surveillance, response, be able to address a pandemic or even an outbreak before they happen. The patients often see multiple healthcare providers in their lifetime. And if you must continue the continuum of care without waste, there is a, a limited human resource. And in you know, as much as we have this limited human resource, then having the limited human resource recollect data is very inefficient. And that will result in more waste. So if information if a patient goes from one facility to another and the information can be retrieved, then it increases efficiency, reduces error, because each time a new information is collected, it's also a, a, a place for. Uh, uh, to introduce error. So there are many advantages, including cost savings that will arise from not redoing tests. And there's so many advantages. But overall, standards help in many different ways. And it could be functional standards, standards in terms of how the different functions are deployed. It could be uh, terminology standards. So you need to have a clear way of defining what, uh uh, what a diagnosis is and what code it is because there are thousands and millions of terms in the health sector unlike other sectors like the financial sector where the number of terms are a bit limited to hundreds here there are thousands and run into millions and there are so many specialties and subspecialties so without standardization this is even critical people are going to die or uh, uh, maybe even be uh, uh, incapacitated for life. So that's why it's very important, both at individual level and at public health level, to standardize uh, information that is uh, passed through the wire uh, in in the digital health uh, ecosystem. So thanks, Anova.
0: I hear you. Uh, uh, But allow me to play devil's advocate. Uh, I would imagine that, yes, going forward, if we could... Uh, arrive at a point where all data is standardized uh, across uh, the continuum of care and even beyond the continuum of care in in the health system and and all the way to the health sector uh, all the way to the public health what have you um that if we have those that if we have standard guidelines or or whatever um that going forward that could sort of contribute to solving the lack of interoperability that, that uh, we face with all this, like you said, millions of data that is being generated. Um, but what about looking back retrospectively? Is there a way of having data that has already been collected, that is already in the system? Is there a way of sort of standardizing it uh, after the fact?
3: So it is possible definitely to uh, standardize data. Uh, that's been collected, and there are limits to how much we can standardize this data uh, that were collected after the fact. In fact, if uh, you didn't collect, for instance, if I'm going to use the age and date of birth analogy, if uh, you ask somebody uh, what their age is, they're going to give you 25, for instance, and you ask them their date of birth, they're going to give you first June 1985, for instance, and uh, These two information, the date of birth gives you more detail and you can analyze and do a lot more information. You can do some additional, for instance, send a a, a birthday reminder. Of course, this can sound like a little thing, but this birthday reminder could be the reason why a patient will come to a practice and not the other practice. I'm just saying, and having this data can help you deliver better service. For instance, you have the uh, expected date of delivery of a woman as a date that can trigger information to remind the, the woman when to visit, remind the provider when to follow up with the woman, even remind the woman when their, 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 their uh, uh, baby's immunization is due. Yeah, so like the detail of the data is what will enable you make some more decision. Now, of course, how much detail is determined at uh, the point of collection, but some systems may already have this detail while some may not, which is why it's often good to standardize before. But yes, it is possible to standardize
0: after the fact. Got it. But if I'm hearing you correctly, it's, it's much more difficult to do. And that's why we need to urgently move towards uh, uh, standardization. So, so turning to you, uh, Juliet, um, last year you hosted a three-day Connectathon. <laughs> During the Digital Health Week, first of all, I don't even know what uh, a connectathon is. So tell us about that, and you know why the DHIN decided to to host one.
2: Sure, and I think yeah, when we even put out a connectathon, the first thing that we had to do was um, explain or intimate to people in the space what a connectathon is, whether it's a hackathon or you know what what the difference was. Um, but essentially, you know, to start a connectathon is an event primarily in the interoperability space that allows different stakeholders, technical stakeholders to come together and actually test, develop and test interoperability solutions in, you know, in a collaborative way. So it it kind of calls to mind like a hackathon where, you know, it's an event, you have all of the developers, all of the vendors in the same room. Um, and there's a particular problem or a particular um, interoperability concern that you know, the inter- the Connectathon is trying to solve. And you know, you have people gathered together in most times with their laptops or, or their devices, really putting their heads together and developing or testing particular solutions around interoperability. So again, driving from the mandate that we didn't want to just, um, you know, have a lot of conversations around interoperability, but we wanted to start driving at actual solutions, we decided that a Connectathon would be one of the best ways to do that. So we did hold our first Connectathon um, during the Digital Health Week in, in November of 2023, uh, again, for our first event, it was really well attended and well participated, and you know that was really encouraging for us. Um, when we were thinking of what to center the connectors on around, we again started looking at what are some of the issues that are plaguing the interoperability and the digital health space. Um, in Nigeria and in Africa and what, you know, some of the low-hanging fruits that we can start looking at. And, you know, one of the things that we, we know is particularly an issue is around patient level data sharing and patient health records management um, across multiple institutions, across multiple systems. Uh, and one of the key drivers around those, that challenge it is really the non-standardization of the patient ID. It seems very simple, uh, a very simple concept, but you know, it's one that actually is very critical and sometimes just not well thought through across the entire ecosystem. So you you have different hospitals using different EMRs, using different systems, and uh, developing patient IDs in in very different ways, and and so it's very difficult for us to get a comprehensive picture of the patient record at times when they move from facility to facility or even move to a different state. And sometimes even within the same larger hospital system, um, it's very, you know, very difficult for us to do that. And even within, say, the government um, hospital systems, if one person moves from one general hospital to another in another state, you know, all of their data is completely lost. The all of the um, previous care and you know all of the information that is required for continued care. Is, is potentially lost and could have really devastating um, health consequences. And so for us, we wanted to start looking at how do we demonstrate how this patient level and aggregate data um, can be linked across multiple institutions and multiple digital platforms. Um, we also know that there's already been some efforts even beyond the health sector in Nigeria, for example, to, uh, to utilize the national, uh, the nin the the national identifier for you know the entire country for all other in other sectors so in banking and other sectors and so one of the conversations we also wanted to have within that connected thumb was how can we use maybe existing uh, identifiers already established at the at the national level you know in other sectors um, within the health sector and how do we expect software vendors and other pa- partners to start to incorporate this. Um, and then the other component that we wanted to look at was how do we also in, incorporate the um, HL7 FHIR, which is the fast healthcare interoperability resource, um, which has already done a lot of work around identifiers and, and creating the data types um, that's, that should be really easy for EMR vendors and software vendors to to integrate or to implement within their systems. So again, we wanted to have a mix of conversations. We wanted to be able to have a regulatory and policy conversation around the use of these identifiers. We wanted to be able to have a conversation with implementing partners and with healthcare providers to really understand the need. You know, when, when we say patient ID, it sounds like a really technical thing, but to really um, bring it back to the patient, to bring it back to Importance and the benefits of having you know uniform ID structures and having uh, systems that could speak to each other, and then we really wanted to also have a core technical session where we could have different vendors sit together in a room, um, create a you know a conformance testing server, and be able to test some of the the theories around moving uh, data from one system to the other using this fire um, the fire ID resource and and just be able to demonstrate that practically. And so we're really happy that we're able to start doing some of that with our first Connectathon. The participation again, like I said, from all the different sectors, um, from the different types of partners and stakeholders was overwhelming. Um, the interest in creating these joint solutions was also overwhelming. And now I think we're well on our way in terms of providing strong recommendations around patient ID um around how patient level data sharing should occur. And you know, following from that, we we have to then start um the advocacy with the different vendors as well as you know the the government and other stakeholders, which who can then ensure adoption and enforce adoption of these structures within the different systems that exist in the ecosystem
0: that is absolutely amazing and i and i really appreciate the challenge around um uh patient id and national identity uh, identification systems I, I know in nigeria there have been several failed attempts in the past to sort of have this national database of 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 um, uh identity numbers um almost some something similar to the social security number that they have in the, in the united states in fact i just got my national identity number uh, last year, late last year, and I'm in, I'm in my 40s. So, <laughs> uh, but but I think this is the first time that they're going. Um, that it it looks like it's working. I know I heard that over 100 million people, which is I guess half of the population in Nigeria, now have that that national identity, and I think that's it's important to be able to have those standardized patient IDs uh, that can now be used, you know, at whatever institution, whatever hospital, whatever point of contact that a person has, has with the healthcare healthcare system. So good on you for taking that initiative to do this connect-a-thon. And I hope you go global. I hope it it doesn't just end in Nigeria that you're able to take this um, beyond, beyond the country. Um, So I know that the Africa CDC has this goal of building a continental framework for data sharing across uh, the African Union uh, member states. Um, but I think that for this to be successful, inter- interoperability is is key. So what insights might you be able to share about how the Africa CDC could go about uh, the issue of, of data uh, interoperability, which for I mean, even for a country, even for a, at the subnational level, it's such, a, it's such a gargantuan issue, let alone at the continental level. So what insights might you have for the Africa CDC?
3: Yes, thank you very much, uh, uh, Sam. So yes, uh, wanted to follow by saying that uh, we really appreciate Africa CDC for the work it's done over the last... Um, uh, I think, 10 years or so of his existence. Uh, uh, sometimes we, won't, we don't remember that Africa CDC is a young organization, but they've churned out so much, particularly in our constituents, digital health, which are a primary area of focus. They've come up with a strategy. They've come up with an interoperability framework. Uh, of course, uh, you will know that even uh, within Nigeria, we are 200 million people. Uh, Lagos State, uh, for instance, has close to 30 million. To so even interpret systems within one state is a big challenge. And uh, talk less of interpreting at a national level, uh, in a member state, and then uh, doing that at a continental level. The one thing that I know that Africa CDC is super interested in is to make sure that uh, what happened in 2019, 2020, the pandemic that uh, held everyone uh, to or grounded many economies and resulted in a lot of health uh, uh, concerns are uh, things that uh, we should be able to respond very well with. So cross-border information sharing is something that uh, they're very much interested in. So the area of the, the information that they are looking to standardize and integrate is kind of from the public health uh, point of view. And uh, in terms of uh, how that will work, I think they are on the right path by coming up with the high-level uh, uh, health information exchange framework. But then they need to, at the same time while standardizing, make sure that implementation is driven from the country and not from the center, because this is um one of the challenges that we face even at national level where the national government try to drive things from the center instead of allowing the implementation uh, organically move from where the systems are deployed so if that if the uh, uh, implementation of those framework happen at the country level then it's going to be it's going to be easier for uh, Africa CDC to get the desired results. I, I look at the main issue that Africa CDC is solving as an integration problem, not uh, an interoperability problem, which it, again, this is nomenclature, depending on who you ask. What we, I'm looking at, uh, or I think, or looking at is that um, Africa CDC is looking at population level information, while uh, some clinical level information may not necessarily be their area of interest, or something that concerns them or that may be of interest to clinicians and their hospital providers and maybe states or subnational governments. Uh, So that is uh, my advice for how they can uh, move this, move the needle on uh, ensuring they operationalize the Africa CDC Health Information Exchange Guideline. Thank you.
0: Got it. And, and I think the point you made about not being too top-down is, is very important. Even though I can sense the tension that the African CDC might face, that on one hand, if you want to integrate, if you want to standardize, you sort of have to lay down the marker and say, okay, this is what standardization looks like, and member states need to sort of comply. But then if it's too top-down, then you'll not get uh, buy-in from, from member states. Um, I don't know if we now have Ineobong back, um, do you want to add anything to what uh, Emeka said?
1: Yes. Let, let, me, let me join Emeka to commend Africa CDC for um, the great work they are doing. Um, basically, um, I've seen they've done a lot around policy and governance. They've, uh, they also have an ICT infrastructure project where they are trying to warehouse um, hosting of DHIS2 uh, data within Africa. Um, Of course, there's evidence that um, if you need a successful digital health system, you need three major um, enabling areas out of the seven to be functional. First is policy and governance, ICT infrastructure, and then the workforce. So um, I've seen a lot around policy and governance. They are also doing things around IT infrastructure, but I think a workforce is an area that they really need to focus on. Um, let me give you an example because I, I, presently I'm, I'm, I'm on sabbatical here in um, Sierra Leone where I'm also helping to strengthen uh, digital health uh, implementation in country. So I, 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 I see that there's a lot of challenges around workforce, not just the front workforce in terms of frontline health workers, computer literacy, you know, but workforce for, to, to provide IT support to the various um, um, digital health implementations all over the place. And even um, workforce uh, competencies around planning and managing national digital health systems, as well as within the technology uh, development community. Workforce to be able to, you know, to code um, like the globally uh, recognized fire you know, resources in country um so i'm i'm still seeing a lot of gap and if you look at the um the uh recent maturity assessment of the africa c d c uh h i e maturity assessment in Nigeria, you see that workforce is it has one of the lowest core in terms of maturity all right uh and then also um uh, the same for cost interoperability standards and interoperability And if you also look at um, the global digital health uh, monitoring index, you see the maturity score is extremely low. You have a global, a a continental average of two out of a possible score of five. You know, you see workforce is low. um, uh, Standards and interoperability is also low in scoring. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done uh, in that respect. And then there's need for Africa CDC to recognize country peculiarities. You know, um, Emeka has talked about the complexity of the Nigerian uh, health system where you have three different uh, levels, the, uh, the national, the state, and the, of course, the local government level. So, and you there's need, there's a lot of work presently around the public sector, but Whereas there's a lot of involvement uh, of the private sector in, in most of the let me say for Nigeria for instance for in, in Nigeria you have the private sector is responsible for over 70 percent of healthcare care services all right and you have um, proliferation of digital health applications in the private sector if you come to Sierra Leone the reverse uh, is, is is true you, uh, you have uh, private sector responsible for like thirty percent, and then uh, public sector seventy percent of healthcare services. So that emphasises the need for uh, Africa CDC to recognise uh, country peculiarities in deploying their, you know, their, their, their programs and and, and projects. So by and large, there is need to engage the publics, uh, private sector more. There's need to work with existing, um, you know, digital health, um, you know, uh, organisations, but particularly in the in the in the in the in the, in the private uh, development sector, because we don't have that capacity within the the, the public sector to drive interoperability. We need um, to you know kind of harmonise existing capacity in country, and there's a lot of things, a lot of a lot around resistance you know, to change. A lot of people, um, a lot of particularly policymakers, um, they want to remain where where they are. You know, they don't want um, to adopt standards because they feel, of course, rightly they've invested and they already invested a lot in the uh, digital health applications w- which they are deploying. They are scared that uh, they will need to, uh, you know, make a lot more investment. So there's also need to build, uh, you know, uh, consensus you know, to share, build a shared vision, you know, amongst all the different levels of uh, digital health practitioners in the African countries. If you look at, it, I think for the past 10 years, um, we have um, 42 of the 54 African uh, countries have digital health strategy, but not much has been achieved in terms of moving towards um, interoperability and then having. Uh, reflecting on uh, the the health outcomes which are still uh, you know are, are not as improving you know as it is expected so um, there's need to really move on beyond just the policy and strategy adoption level to having practical you know um you know practical uh, output that will justify the huge investment being made in the, the digital health space and also supports the response to future pandemics. Like Emeka said, with the, the whole health system was challenged by the, the last pandemic. And then who knows how, the, how big the, the next pandemic, God forbid, will be. So I think there's need to, uh, you know, harmonize all efforts locally, both public and private sector, you know, to make digital health work and really help the countries to achieve their health system goals.
0: Indeed. Very well said. I think all hands need to be on deck if we are to move to a a world where our data, our health data speaks uh, to each other. So let's look to the future. And Juliet, we've not heard from you in a bit. So let me turn to you to tell us about what the future is looking like. What next for DHIN? What do you have lined up for your community in 2024?
2: Sure. We, we hope to continue to build on some of the work that we have started around building our community of practice. Um, we are still calling for members to join. We need all the expertise and the support that we can get to continue to grow that community of practice. Um, we know that, as we've been saying, that it's a collaborative effort between the government, the regulatory and standards organization, the private sector implementers, um, the public sector implementers, the the developers and software vendors, and all hands really need to be on deck to address and to provide solutions for interoperability. And so um, we want to grow this community of practice in Nigeria and eventually in other African countries um, to really start to drive at solutions for interoperability. Um, We we also would like to start, you know, developing specific solutions um, around areas of interest for interoperability. Start looking at use cases for, you know, how can we improve uh, patient-level data sharing? How can we improve maternal health and and referrals and managing uh, maternal, neonatal, and child health issues? And how can we create specific solutions around interoperability to ensure that Um, the data is being collected appropriately, they're standardized, and they're being shared for decision-making. And then how can we create specific solutions and and policy statements um, that can guide implementation in these countries? And so that's one of the things that we're really hoping to focus on in 2024 is building out our community of practice, um, growing our membership, starting to do a lot more capacity building, even within our membership, um, introducing different concepts around interoperability Uh, and ensuring that we're able to provide that kind of technical support and awareness building within the larger ecosystem.
0: Well, on that note, I sincerely wish uh, the DHIN all the best. I hope your community of practice continues to grow and that you begin to see real impact uh, in terms of the work uh, that you're doing to advocate for uh, data interoperability in the healthcare sector. So thank you so much, Juliet Inyobong and Emeka for being on the podcast. Nigeria is my home country. So whenever I'm there, I hope to run into you or if you happen to be in Kenya, in Nairobi at any point in time, please look me up.
2: Sure, we'll do. Great. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you all. Have a great day. Bye.
2: Thank you for listening.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. MedTech Africa is produced and hosted by Sam Oti and co-edited by yours truly, Veronica Sander-Ochiambo. The goal of MedTech Africa is to provide a platform for showcasing digital health and health tech innovations across the African continent. Please reach out to us if you have any thoughts on this episode or recommendations of African health innovators that you'd like us to host on the show. You can find our contact details in the episode show notes. Finally, Be sure to subscribe to MedTech Africa on your preferred podcast platform. And if you have a moment, please leave us a great review because it really helps other people to find the show. Thanks again for listening and we hope you join us in our next episode.